0: Hello, Brodies and Brodets of the world. My name is Caleb Walgren, and you're listening to season five, episode 25 of Brody Sports Talk. And uh, I've got to say, uh, it's not something I usually get into on this podcast, but I've been listening to some of my favorite country music this week. And Zach Bryan, he's just uh, got me going with something the orange, and uh, that, that just reminds me of my my co-host Derek Rusnick and. There's there's something about that orange uh, the the last few bits, uh, last few weeks with a uh, Broncos country let's ride and uh, orange power. Uh, Derek, how how's it feeling? How are you doing, man?
1: I am elated. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. I hope you're having a wonderful day and if you aren't, you're about to because we're going to get into a lot of fun stuff. I cannot wait for uh some of our of our topics today. But uh Caleb, I am I am doing great. Uh everything is coming up orange. I do have a question for our podcast listeners. So, uh the Denver Broncos are now trying to do a brotherly shove, a quarterback sneak, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I need we need a name for the Broncos version of the Tush Push brotherly shove. I was thinking about hitching the wagon, um, but, uh, you know, something with, with Russell Wilson. So I need all of you guys to reach out to us on X and tell us what the Broncos uh, Tush Push should be named.
0: Ooh, that's that's such a good one. Um, I've I've got to think about it a lot. Uh, I think that we need to get some good, uh, potential Ciara titles uh, going in there as well. Uh, you know, get get Russell's wife's mentions going with this. Uh, you know, she also does music. She did she did music before Taylor Swift started showing up to games. So, uh, maybe you could call it the the one two push. Uh, you could (laughs) that
1: you came up off the top of your
0: head, that was great. Um, we could go with uh, level up. Uh, that's actually the title of one of her songs where he's just leveling up into that first down. Um, it there's probably some better options here as well, but uh. One Two Push, I think, is probably the best that I'm going to come up with this quickly. Um, It's a good time. It's a good time. Derek, before we uh, continue our musical adventures and going off into complete tangents, because you know I'll do that all day, uh, why don't you go ahead and give me your Brody Spotlight of the week?
1: Yeah, so we uh, are talking about the the NBA. So normally we talk football on this podcast. But this last week we tipped off the the NBA and we've seen uh, some new faces in new places. Um, Christoph Borzingas is uh, has headed over to the Boston Celtics. Um, if you remember from last season, uh, my wife's a Celtics fan, so I have become a Celtics fan as well along with my uh, my hometown Thunder. Uh, so just uh, over the last day or so, the Clippers have traded for James Harden, uh, hopefully fifth team as a charm. Um, let's see, he went to the Thunder, then the Rockets, Brooklyn uh, 76ers, and it's, yeah, fifth team now, fifth time's a charm. It's got to be, um, you know, we we're seeing Kevin Durant with the, uh, with the sons and Bradley Beal is over there as well. Um, so this is a, uh, a really great start to a season. We've seen some, some really great plays. Um, I, 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 I can't get over Chris Paul in a warriors uniform. Um, I mean, he was in Oklahoma for two stints back when he was with the, the Hornets, uh, when you know during katrina and then when he was here with the thunder uh on their own uh but i'm i'm used to seeing him in, in a clippers jersey or or something like that so it's been really weird but uh the nuggets are the nuggets they uh, just to, to give you kind of a, an overview of everything the nuggets are still really really good and they could uh repeat as champions uh pretty easily they they still have all their pieces together and they look fired up and hungry like theres there's not going to be a lull this season uh, where they're gonna lose games they're gonna go out and uh, and win some games so uh just kicking off the season it looks good we're gonna i think we're gonna have a lot of fun with basketball uh, on the podcast I'm gonna bring up a little bit of it as it comes along but here's your tip off
0: uh on that note uh, my Dallas Mavericks are three0. And have scored one twenty five or higher in all three of their games. Mavs fan for life. Let's go Mavs!
1: Uh, I don't have yeah. a whole lot to say Luka. about basketball. Luca I... looking really good. Uh, yeah, so Luca could be that that uh, MVP level. Uh, I think he had like a thirty uh, five percent, thirty five point uh, triple double the other day. Looks good. Um, hopefully, he can keep that energy throughout the entire season.
0: I hope so. And in general, uh, he's already got a win over the Wembeast. So uh, I'm happy to see that happen. And uh, we are obligated because we said that we were going to call him Wembeast to get some Wembeast mentions going as we talk about the NBA.
1: Yeah, Wembeast, um, (laughs) you can see it in the eyes of these NBA players that like, hey, we've seen some guys... um, you know, have one or two of the skills that, uh, women for the Spurs has, but he's putting it all together, like, uh, blocks out there, uh, shooting, uh, ball handling. Like it's hard to, to see, you know, a guy have five tools. Like you talk about in baseball, he's got a lot of good things. He, he's going to take him a year or two, I think to really come into his own and to get used to the, to NBA, but uh, he hasn't shied away from contact, hasn't shied away from uh, those guys in the NBA. So I think it's going to be fun for the whim Beast. Well,
0: uh, Derek, did you want to dive in a little bit more about uh, the man, the myth, the beard, uh, James Harden going out to the Clippers and how you feel about that starting the season that way?
1: Yeah, so it uh, it's a little bit... Uh, it's a little bit weird. So James Harden, this all, last offseason, said, Hey, I'm not playing for the 76ers anymore. Um, trade me. Um, one of the issues that that I see and I have, and and again, it's first world problems, so I'm not uh you know, I'm not here to judge or anything like that. But uh he had to opt into his contract in order to uh, to play for the, you know, to, to play this year. Um, he could have become a free agent. He could have got his, uh, you know, could have got all the money that he wanted and in a new contract was some, you know, some other place out there, but he didn't because he was going to make a bunch of money on the end of his previous contract. So he opts into his contract and then says, Hey, trade me. Hasn't played for the 76ers. There's been some weird media reports back and forth. And so finally, I guess the Clippers came up with the best offer. So let's see. The 76ers uh, traded Harden, PJ Tucker, and Philip Peruzas. Please don't hold me to that. Uh, For Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, which Robert Covington's a pretty good player, Nick uh, Batum, KJ martin, a twenty twenty eight unprotected first round pick to second round picks, a twenty twenty nine pick swap, um, and an additional first round pick that will be routed to Oklahoma City because we have all the picks. So quite a bit of uh, a compensation for a thirty four year old. Um, and yeah, he opted into his thirty five point six million dollar player option for this season. So, he uh he i mean this will be his last year on his contract, so you know he opts in for 35.6 million. I wish I can, could get that. Um and gets to go out and play with Russell Westbrook, uh Paul George, uh Kawhi Leonard, not in any particular order. Those are just uh, I put the guys that used to play for the Thunder first. Uh Kawhi Leonard is clearly his team. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have four really great players. Uh, I'm hoping that they can score a whole bunch so that their bench players don't have to do too much. Um, cause I'm not sure they have much of a bench anymore. Kind of, kind of got rid of everybody to get Harden.
0: It is going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Derek, looking at his opt-in for this year, James Harden, who I think we would both easily say not one of the the top players ever, but he's definitely been a good player and a talented player. $338 million in his career. Mm -hmm. Well earned James.
1: Well, okay. So I need to go back just real quick on, on what you said. So he may not be a top ten player of all time and never have gotten close to that. He deserves to be on the the top 75 players of the last 75 years um that he was on recently. Uh, he is a great offensive player and has scored a lot of points. So he has been a really good player. I mean, he he like there was at at a time that he was going to lead a team, and he could be that piece that you need for a championship. I just don't think that uh, I don't think his heart was ever in basketball. Like after the first eight years or so, it's like okay, you know, there's a lot of other things in the world, and I'm good at something, and so I'm going to go do it. But I mean going to Houston and then going, you know, okay, I want to go to Brooklyn to go hang out with my, uh, with Kevin Durant and we're going to go win a championship. And then, nope, we're going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Philly. Uh, it's, uh, I took a play with Joel, Joel Embiid, uh, and you know, a really good roster, um, with the 76ers. I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think he's ever been that dude. But uh, I've always thought he was going to to be a part of a championship team, and maybe he'll get a chance.
0: I mean, I think that in general, even in a situation like this, I don't know that I want James Harden to be my primary ball handler and primary person figuring out who's doing what in the clutch.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. With the
0: Clippers, he doesn't have to do that. Yeah. Um, There's Russell, there's Paul George, there's Kawhi. Hardwin may not even be one of the top options to have the shot at the end of the game. He doesn't have to deal with all of the pressure. He can just have fun a little bit more. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to jump to my take on the Brody spotlights this week. And that is, of course, going with some thoughts on the NFL trade deadline. Uh, first things first, Derek, let's get to uh, the sale that's happening in the nation's capital as two big trades happened from the commanders, as they said, uh, let's, uh, start the rebuild and see if we can go get uh, my namesake, Caleb Williams. Uh, so probably not, but, uh, they are going and they traded Montez sweat to the Chicago bears for a second round pick. And then they also traded chase young to the 49ers for a third round pick. um, I was talking earlier today about the Montez Sweat one. The Bears have a lot of cap room after this year. I think that this is them viewing Sweat as a piece to build around for the future. When you know Matt Eberflew and what he was doing with the Colts defense, they had traded a first-round pick for DeForest Buckner. Montez Sweat is who they're looking at as that type of player, disruptive, interior defensive line going to make things a little bit more of a headache for the Lions Packers and Vikings in that division and if they can get him extended great if not they're probably going to go ahead and franchise him and extend him next year he's going to be a bear for a while and I don't think that the second round price is that egregious uh, Chase Young to the 49ers is interesting because the 49ers have struggled the, the last few games. And what I really think that they needed was more help in the secondary. Uh, they they really have been struggling just on the back end of the defense with some injuries they've had there. Uh, but what do they do? They do what they've done. Their pass rush is going to be elite. And they already got Randy Gregory from the Broncos earlier before the trade deadline. And this now them having Chase Young the former defensive rookie of the year, assuming he can be healthy, just gives you more nightmarish one-on-one matchups to face with the 49ers defense. Uh, Derek, before I go on, uh, what are your thoughts on these two pass rushers leaving Washington?
1: I mean, I I loved Chase Young when he came out. Um, I'm not a big uh, Commanders fan, but I was a big fan of, of Chase Young and, and what he does. Uh, wrecking offenses. Let's just call it what it is, wrecking offenses. Um, Montez Sweat, great player. Um, I really do think that you are correct on that when it comes to immediate impact guy who is going to, hey, we're not going to, uh, to win a bunch on offense, so let's see what we can do with defense. Let's lean into the defensive side of things. And that's kind of my bread and butter. So let's, uh you know, let's see what we can do to stop guys. Um, So a good pickup by the bears. Uh, so, I mean, I think, I think we all see the writings on the wall when it comes to the head coach of the commanders and uh the next steps in, uh, in that franchise. So, um, I'm glad that these two guys are getting a shot at, uh, being part of teams that like one guy's going to get paid. The other guy is going to get a ring probably. Um, so just a, uh, I'm glad for them. Just glad they got out of the nation's capital.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be interesting because I know that there's going to be certain things that just have to be done with Washington for them to get closer and closer to a rebuild. And I just don't know exactly when and how all of those things will happen. Uh, I will call this out, Derek, and I don't know if you realize this, uh, but Chase Young and Nick Bosa were actually college teammates uh, back at Ohio State uh, before either of them made it into the NFL. So they have worked with each other before they They have some familiarity. I'm not going to sit here and say they have loads of familiar. No, they have some familiarity. And I think that they will be excited and eager to work together again definitely. It's going to be an interesting and a fun one,
1: yeah. So I mean, who needs the the secondary when the code when the uh, the quarterback can't throw the ball because they're being sacked? Like, Sack every down, probably.
0: That's that's true. Well, let's go ahead and let's switch sides of the line, because I know that in general, uh, this is Derek's favorite side of the offensive line. Well, the well the offensive line is his favorite, just to be clear. So, Ezra Cleveland has been traded from the Minnesota Vikings to the Jacksonville Jaguars. This will put him as the other offensive guard uh, across from Brandon Scherf. Ezra Cleveland, he was taken as a second-round pick from Minnesota back in the 2020 draft. What did they get for him? A sixth-rounder. Ouch. Uh, He actually is a good up-and-coming guard. We will get to another Vikings trade here in a second, but I feel like this was a bit of a a head-scratcher to me because I think Ezra Cleveland is quite a bit better than what they gave up for him. But he's he's out of Minnesota, and he'll be with Doug Peterson probably learning the offense this week because it's a bye and uh, seeing some playing time pretty soon in Jacksonville uh, as he'll be blocking for Etienne and have Trevor Lawrence behind him. I think that it's going to be an exciting change to go from the Vikings to the Jags. Uh, any thoughts there, Derek?
1: Yeah, so I, I'm agreeing with your, your base level thoughts that Ezra Cleveland is a an up and coming guard. I think it'll definitely give them some depth uh, for the the Jaguars to uh because you you know they want to run the ball more. You know they want to uh to take a little bit of pressure off of Trevor um and you know be known as as more of a uh, Uh, More of a run team. So if you can get guys that you can get into your system and who have a high upside, I think Azure Cleveland certainly has a high upside, um, probably under under undercompensated. But the the sixth round is a little little low uh, from from what I would believe. But, uh, you know, I would think a fourth probably. But, uh, yeah, you, you get depth, you get uh, someone in your system that I think has a high upside and uh, could, could do something in the future.
0: Uh, the next trade individual that we have is Joshua Dobbs. Uh, I would like to call him Joshua. Don't sign a long-term lease, Dobbs, because uh, this guy has been moving around quite a bit over the last couple of seasons and just moves around quite a bit in general, uh, over his NFL career, uh, drafted by Pittsburgh, ended up playing a couple games there over the years, got picked up off of the lions practice squad last year by the Titans and played some of their late games into the postseason and got his first NFL touchdowns and then was on the Browns during the preseason traded to the Cardinals. And now of course, uh, the Cardinals give up, Uh, Josh Dobbs and a seventh for a sixth rounder knowing that they're getting some return on the investment with just in general Josh Dobbs being now a Viking Uh, I feel like he's been a little bit of everywhere it's kind of interesting to see this happen and I don't think it will take him too long to learn the playbook because he is an actual rocket scientist even though he is not going to start this week in week nine. It's going to be just interesting to see him adapt and learn a new offense and go again. Uh, what do you think about this one, Derek? It, it felt very right for both teams, even if it felt a little odd to the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to talk about the, the Vikings here a little bit later on uh, and get into a little bit more of uh, what I think about uh, that side of the trade, I think it's a good opportunity for Josh Dobbs. I mean, I think he's made um, putting the spotlight on himself the uh, the first eight weeks of the season and uh, has, has for a bad situation that uh, everyone knows he's not going to be the future of the franchise. Josh Dobbs has done some, some really good things, and I think he could definitely play in a more roar, run-oriented system. Um, then, you know, then the, the pass that he, uh, you know, he's a, he's a decent quarterback, but he's a, a, a definitely a better runner when he has some for some free lanes. Um, I think so. I think this is a good, uh, a good chance for him to maybe finish out the season as a starter in, uh, in Minnesota.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the other two trades to the division involve a receiver and a cornerback, and that is Donovan People jones going from the Browns to the Lions for a 2025 sixth-rounder, and the Green Bay Packers have traded Rasool Douglas and a fifth-round pick to the Buffalo Bills for a third-round pick. Um, Let me go ahead and talk for a little bit about the DPJ trade first. I think that this is a big trade for Detroit. Uh, We saw some of their... Receivers this past week looking like they were not really playing the best. I'm looking at you, Josh Reynolds, uh, who caught your pass and then fumbled, and that's not good. Uh, I think that it's Amon Ross St. Brown, it's Jameson Williams, and DPJ, believe it or not, actually is going to seemingly be a bit of a veteran in that locker room. Uh, Cleef Raymond is still there. I think he's still going to do his thing, but. Uh, especially now that they don't have Marvin Jones Jr. due to his retirement. I think that this gives them someone of that body style and type that they were missing. Uh, as far as Rasul Douglas is concerned, the Packers got him off of the Cardinals practice squad a couple of years ago. He then had a couple of picks against Kyler Murray. He got several picks for us that season. Um, we extended him. He's very. I feel like he's a little bit hot and cold. And when he's running hot, he's one of the best corners in the league. And when he's not, he's getting flags and drawing some confusion. I think that Sean McDermott's going to be able to find something to do for him. But I also think that being able to get three, a third round pick back is good for the Packers. Uh, they have 60 mil in dead cap. They have to be looking for opportunities to be able to keep that build going because they're going to be putting more around Jordan Love in the future. Um, There's some people who say that they don't know that Jordan Love's the future. I'm not going that far. I just think that uh, when 60 million of your money is in the Jets locker room, it's tough to find ways to win games. So, uh, Derek, any of those trades you want to talk about or dive into about the trade deadline here?
1: Yeah, so uh, the, the main thing, Russell Douglas, Douglas um, he has skills. We've seen the skills um, that he has, and I, I certainly think you're right about that. Putting him in the bill system, I think that you're going to get, um, he, you're, you're going to give him the right amount of plays per game. Um, he, he can do a lot of great things. He can also do some very not so smart things. And, uh, you know, I hate to see it. Um, I didn't realize that the you, why you were late to the podcast was because you're in owner's meeting on the final, uh, ironing things out, uh, because, you know, they didn't go through you today clearly, um, for the trade deadline.
0: I mean, I only have so much influence. I was just trying to tell Goot to get some good deals done. Okay. Um, but let's go ahead, and that's it for our spotlights. A big spotlight week here on Brody Sports Talk. Uh, but uh, as we're kicking off November, Derek, who is your GOAT of the week for Week 8 of the NFL season, looking back?
1: Yeah, so I, uh, I'm a big fan uh, this year of the Miami Dolphins. They're doing some amazing things. I've uh, I've liked them every week except for one when they hung 70 on the Broncos. Um, I think that Mike McDaniel was a, a really good uh, coaching hire, and I think he's got things really going uh, going on down there. We uh, I found a stat this last uh, this last week, the last couple of days that uh, the QB Tua Tagovailoa. Um, has never lost to Bill Belichick, and this last week it made six and zero versus Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And this is the first time that a quarterback has beaten a Bill, beaten a Bill Belichick-led team uh, six times. Um, now Peyton Manning has uh, has beaten the Patriots eight times, but that includes. The postseason. This is just talking about the regular season. Um, the Dolphins are uh, six and one versus the Patriots over the last seven meetings. Uh, that one is uh, the concussion game that Chua had a couple of years back uh, where he didn't play. So six and 0 versus Bill Belichick. Now, when you're playing twice a year since you've come into the league, you would think, okay, well, uh, you know, we're going to win all of our home games and we're going to win half of our away games. So you, you drop one once in a while. Bill Belichick has always been known for a great defense. But to go back and look at uh, this Dolphins team and especially Tua, who, you know, a lot of people um, said that he wasn't, wasn't the guy, that you had to move on from Tua, that he wasn't uh, the quarterback of the future. Well, Egg is on the face now. Uh, Tua is doing a great job down there in Miami and got his sixth win versus Bill Belichick. uh, I I think a a crowning achievement for him there, Uh, and he's just got far more to go.
0: I like it. I like it, and anytime we can give Bill Belichick a little bit of a hard time, you know that I'm down for that as well. Uh, He had many great years with uh, the Patriots and as Bill would probably say, um, on to Caleb's go to the week. All right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was probably not a good impression, but you get the gist. Uh, my go to the week is a homer pick here. I'm going with number six of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Quentin Newsom, who did something this past week that was really special. No, I'm not talking about his five tackles. I'm talking about the fact that he went and early in the second half, when P- Purdue was trying to kick a field goal to make it a 14-3 to game, he w- the, he w- the field goal got blocked, and he just looked like he was like, all right, I've got this. Had a what looked like a relatively easy-looking catch when I know it was not, and just took off down the field. Uh, there was no one between him and the end zone by the time that he caught that. And it was one of the smoothest field goal block returns that I think I've ever seen uh, outside of a video game. Uh, usually when a field goal gets blocked, there's this like mad scramble for the ball. Sometimes in the NFL, you'll see someone get it and then get up and run with it. You can't do that in college. You have to be standing the whole time. And Quentin Newsom just made it look nice and simple. Uh, he even was able to high five his buddy who I believe blocked it. Uh, as they were getting into the end zone, and it was just a special moment and a fun time, uh, because football, like I've said before, is supposed to be fun, and I wanted to make sure to come out and recognize Quentin Newsom for this kind of really fun, uh, potentially under the radar moment, but it's really fun for me as a Nebraska fan.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a fun. Uh, I I'm really glad that the Huskers are are doing better this season. Um, I'm going to give it to Matt Rule. Uh, I've seen some improvement. Go, Matt, uh, go, Matt, go. Um, Beautiful play. Like, ball's blocked. uh, Guy comes down with basically a punt return uh, to catch it uh, in that kind of same position. And then just starts running. And you got to love it when you know those are the big celebration plays that uh you get a you get a block and you return it back it was great
0: it was a lot of fun that's for sure uh derek let's go ahead uh let's get ready to uh diversify our funds uh look for the bear and bull markets and uh see what we're investing in in the stock watch this week uh derek uh Let's keep the positive things going. Who are you looking to buy this week?
1: So I am buying uh, some stock in the quiet Baltimore Ravens. So um, if you if you don't know, the AFC North is one of the better divisions in the NFL this year. Uh, all the teams have a winning record, and all the teams any given week could win that division. But... We are seeing a change to the Ravens. We are seeing uh, Lamar Jackson being a pocket passer. Everyone says, oh, he's only a running back who throws the ball once in a while. Doing a great job. Got uh, 1,767 yards thus far. Um, and he's not the leading rusher on the Ravens. That's uh, Normally their running backs get hurt a lot, and so is running back by committee. But uh, no, the, he, you've got Gus Edwards there with 426 rushing yards thus far, and their leading receiver is their rookie Zay Flowers. Now, when when he got drafted, I was like, "That's not the right pick. You go somewhere else. You there's other needs that you that you have." But Zay Flowers has really done some really great things um, with the ball. Um, right behind him is Mark Andrews, which we all know. He's at at around four hundred yards. Aguilor, uh, you know, OBJ is there, so you've got a lot of of uh, of opportunity of receivers, and you know the the Baltimore Ravens are six and two, and I think they are who is going to come out of the AFC North i think the steelers are going to take a step back i, I still don't trust the uh, the bengal's 100% cuz they're still the bengal's and the browns i don't like i uh they are too up and down they are they have the best defense in the nfl and then they give up like 40 points oh they have the best in, they they are just so up and down. I don't think they, they can be consistent enough and we're going to get bored. We're going to get sleepy watching the Ravens because they're going to have, you know, a four loss season. They're going to go like 13 and four probably uh, this season as they're just going to go to work. And so, I mean, at least one hardball knows what he's doing in the coaching field.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I don't think that Jim is stealing any signals or John. John isn't the one stealing signals. My bad. My <laughs> bad. Uh, you you started in the AFC North. I'm going to go ahead and invest in the AFC South. And I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here and say that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to go ahead and find a way to wrap up their division by week 13 of the NFL season. Uh, and I'm saying the end of week 13, just to be clear. When I look at the Jaguar schedule, it is actually fairly intense after the bye. They will come back, host the 49ers, host the Titans. Then they go at the Texans and host the Bengals on Monday night football. I'm saying at the end of that time, I think the Jaguars help, will, will have it. I think that they will actually sweep that schedule, uh, which is going to be an intense one. But I also know that when we're talking about the Jags, it really is, how are they doing? Like, they've been on a hot run. They've won five games in a row. They're playing their type of football. And I just don't see anyone else in the division putting up enough of a fight. Because even right now, when you look at the standings, uh, the Jaguars sit there at 6-2. and two everyone else has a losing record at either three and four or three and five if you're the Colts. I just don't see them coming back from two and a half or three games back at this point and finding a way for them to put together wins when they're not even starting like quarterbacks that they were planning to start at the start of the season. So it, I think the Jaguars have been better and I think that they will remain being better. Uh, especially with Ezra Cleveland coming in. That makes me like them even more. Uh, Any thoughts on that one, Derek, or do you want to just go into your sale?
1: No, you're right. Um, I think the Jaguars are going to win the AFC South. Um, So I was expecting some sales to happen uh, this last couple of days. Um, I thought the, the Titans were going to sell a lot more than they have. Um, I was expecting a, a certain Mr. Henry to not play for the Titans anymore, but the trade deadline came and went, and, uh, you know, nothing really happened. Uh, they did, uh, move on from, uh, Kevin Bayard, uh, the safety, a uh, really great player. He went over to the, uh, the Eagles, but that was before the trade deadline. Um, this last week, we saw Will Levis go out here and throw four touchdowns. I don't think he's going to do that every week, but it's a bright spot, at least. Um, you definitely know that Malik Willis isn't your the future of your quarterback position. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that being said, um, they almost lost to the Falcons. Um, if it wasn't for four touchdown passes from your uh your rookie quarterback. You would have lost that game cuz it was 28-23 um to the Falcons and the Falcons are a good team. They they have a lot of uh of promise and a lot of uh, of higher higher end stuff. Um but you're not going to expect your your rookie quarterback to do that every week. And so I think the Titans are not going to win the division. Um, You know, Anthony Richardson has had season in surgery. So, you know, I don't think the Colts are going to do anything. So you're probably right. Week 13, by the end of it, Jaguars will wrap up the division.
0: I will say this, uh, Derek, if will Levis throws uh, four touchdowns on the Thursday night game. uh, Are, are we both waking up on Friday and putting Mayo in our coffee? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes yes i uh i i am definitely putting mayo in my coffee if he does it again if i i would say anything Against more than the two
0: Steelers, especially yeah. like well i'm not gonna go that far uh
1: <laughs> more than two if he could if he could throw three i on a, on a second second game i will give uh, I, I will definitely put some sort of aioli in my coffee
0: I, I know the only kind I have in my house is Duke. So I, I think that it would uh, add some twang, as they would say, to my coffee on on Friday morning. Um,
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: Completely unrelated, but very viable points. Um, Derek, what are you selling uh, this week?
1: I am selling the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and they should have been sold one week ago so if you haven't heard the news and it's very sad if you uh if you haven't but uh, Kirk cousins the uh what the top three in uh passing yards in the NFL, i know two was number one um uh, but i think at one point in time he was leading the the league in touchdowns and yards uh in the first couple of weeks he uh he hurt his Achilles, and he's uh, going to be out the rest of the year. And uh, so that stinks. And you would expect the Minnesota Vikings to just be like, okay, well, um, what can we go out here and get? Because we are 4-4 or four four. right there in the division. Um, you know, we could probably, I mean, if we, if we fight the, the Lions tough, we could probably do something um, with them. And what did they go out here and do? They went and got Josh Dobbs, um, a guy who really hasn't won much with the the Cardinals. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he gets into the, the KOC offense and just does some stuff. I don't see it. So, I mean, James, James Winston is down there in, I believe, New Orleans. Um, he's not going to play. Because uh, they, they have a, a big name, Derek Carr, down there. Um, you know, they have uh, Trey Lance in Dallas. Okay, well, let's see what we can do with uh, with someone like that. He would have a whole lot of promise, and Kirk Cousins is a, a free agent after this year anyways. So maybe you look at uh, and moving on from there. They did not go out here and find a a caliber of quarterback that you would need to go win. So if you're not going to go out here and win the games, what are you doing with not getting rid of your, your best players go out here and actually do something Um, meal, make a, uh, make a splash. Oh, we're sending Ezra Cleveland uh, out the door. Okay. You've got some other guys there. Let's go get some, uh, some draft picks for the future. Or, as I said last week on the podcast, go trade Kirk Cousins. You should have traded Kirk Cousins last last week. And no, I didn't expect him to, to get hurt or anything like that. And I hope nothing for the best for him. Hopefully he's talking to other former NFC North quarterbacks on how to heal an Achilles. And, um, you know, gets, gets back fairly quickly and uh, gets back to his normal gunslinging self. Um, but honestly, what are the Minnesota Vikings going to do? Do we really think they're going to win something with Josh Dobbs this year? Um, they should have, they should have traded their team. Basically, let's go get some, uh, go get some draft picks. Let's start losing some games. Let's go get Caleb Williams or, uh, you know, someone else.
0: I think the main issue with that Derek is they're not as good at doing that as other teams in their division. <laughs> so the, the one of them is uh, my team, the Packers and the bears are also <laughs> not, not good at winning games. So I I hear you though. It's, it's tough. Like if they were in the NFC South, by all means, let's give them a chance to win that division. But uh, NFC North there there's not a way to, to tank out of it at this point. I don't think.
1: I mean, you've got some games that you shouldn't be able to, to win. You have the, uh, the Falcons, you've got the saints, you got the Broncos on there. You got the bears. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of teams that you could lose to that would definitely have a tiebreaker, Broncos, bears, Raiders, um, that are probably going to be down there in the, uh, in the top 10 picks that if you lost to them, you would have a tiebreaker when it comes to to record. So, you know, I don't know. Um, but I, I was expecting a, a bigger move for a quarterback. Um, like, okay, we're, we're going to have a rookie come in for a game to let, you know, Jameis Winston do something. Let Trey Lance do something. let, Sam Darnold do something. I, I, Sam Darnold's over there in the 49ers and probably doesn't want to leave. But, uh, you know, like, go out here and get somebody who you could probably do something with and win some games the rest of the year. Now they're probably going to win eight or nine games um, and be mediocre. Maybe be
0: on the edge of the playoffs, but yeah. not be a team that can, is considered dangerous if they make it there. Like, They're just all right.
1: Just all right.
0: And that's not where you want to be as an NFL team. Yep. Uh, Well, Derek, uh, you made a strong case there, and I I hear where you're coming from. I'm going to go ahead and make a strong case as well because I'm selling the fact that I think that the Chiefs offense is going to just figure it out. I feel like this is something that's been kind of said off and on all season where you kind of look at it and you go, There's Patrick Mahomes. There's Travis Kelsey. There's Andy Reid. They're they're gonna they're gonna be fine, right? They'll they'll find a way. There's not a major issue here. Kansas City through eight games is twelfth in the NFL in points per game. I think what people forget is that Kansas City was one of the teams that thrived in this type of situation. Uh, was high scoring, couldn't be stopped, similar to, I would almost say, like, how we discussed teams like Miami or Philadelphia or the Bills or 49ers at this point, which are like top five scorers, 27, 28 points per game or higher. Kansas City's coming in at 23.4, and that average puts them below Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks, and a little bit above the Cleveland Browns, who've been starting PJ Walker for several weeks. I don't know if it's the return of Matt Nagy. I don't know if Mahomes is dealing with more injuries, but there are a few things that I do feel like I do know. One, they just don't have the talent at the wide receiver position. They. They went out, drafted Rasheed Rice, cool, but Sky Moore, that pick has not panned out. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think that he's good, but not great. And I say that as him being someone who used to be a Packer. Uh, they traded for McCole Hardman. Woo, uh, welcome back. Um, Kadarius Tony. Oh my goodness, that guy's been a dumpster fire this year like if you can stop Travis Kelsey and you don't get run over by Isaiah Pacheco who just knows one speed I swear then the Chiefs offense is not look nearly as intimidating as they once did um the other thing outside of their skill position players is Their tackles just aren't as good. Uh, I feel like this is a little bit of me laying into them here. Donovan Smith hasn't been electric. They miss Orlando Brown. They should have paid Orlando Brown. Juwan Taylor, no. He has not been the answer on that right side of the line. He's had penalties. He's had bad things happen in bad moments they're missing Andrew Wiley who went with the to the commanders and let's face it. The commanders are the team that went out and scored high points against the Eagles twice this year. The Eagles don't seem like they, or the, the chiefs don't seem like they know how to score high on hardly anyone. The reason why the chiefs are staying afloat this year is because they actually have the second overall defense in terms of points allowed. Steve Spagnolo has Chris Jones and that group humming. And when Spags draws up a blitz, he knows what he's doing. He's called great defenses before. They've invested more on that side of the ball. But we can't sit here and act like the Chiefs are just a. Hey, the offense is going to blow out their opponent. This is not this is not that team anymore. The Chiefs are simply managing on offense and being elite at defense. And I don't think that Spagnolo is getting enough credit for how the chiefs are six and two. Um, Derek, any thoughts about that? I know that you've seen them quite a bit recently as a Broncos fan. Uh, obviously you love the fact that the Broncos beat them this past week. What are your thoughts here about the chiefs and their offense?
1: I agree with you on the Steve Spagnuolo uh, needs to give more credit uh, I think a lot of the spotlight is on the tight end and his love life, and um, you know that that's really good when it comes to taking the spotlight off of everybody else. Um, I will say that the the main thing that I care about, if I'm a Chiefs fan, is the six that's in front of my record. Um, you know, when you lose the first game of the season by a point. Um, and you uh, fall into a trap game versus the Broncos. Uh, I get it. The, they they haven't been great. Um, you know, a 17-9 win, a 23-20 win, 27-20 win, uh, a 19-8 win. Um, yeah, I mean, and you put up nine points versus the Broncos this week. I get it. Um, the issue is that uh, you don't have to be the best offense in the NFL. You just have to score uh, more points than your defense allows. Uh, and I think the Chiefs uh, can do that this year. I think, oh, okay, we're in a, a 14-14 game, and you put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands – at the end of the game, you give him, you know, 50 seconds. Oh, they're in field goal range to kick a field goal. They're going to, they're going to have a lot of wins this year because of their defense. And yeah, we got to give it up, give the flowers to him, but they're still going to win.
0: I think I just wish that I would have seen them go out and try to make their strength stronger. Uh, If they could have gotten Leonard Williams, who went from the giants to the Seahawks, or uh, grabbed one of the guys that the commanders were trading away in sweat or young just to to beef it up even more i would have loved to see it maybe they just feel confident about what they have but i at least want people to realize that the chiefs are not the greatest show on turf i feel like uh when they were first winning they almost had that type of style and flair to them And the flair now is let our defense do the talking for us. And that's okay. It's just a different
1: team. I'll give it to you. It's a really good point. Um, I will say that uh, Peyton Manning's last Super Bowl was because of the Broncos' defense. Um, And he had a noodle arm. And uh, picking up that, that Super Bowl trophy, still won a Super Bowl.
0: Well, I will say that uh, Mahomes should be a bit young to have a noodle arm, (laughs) that's for sure. Uh, Derek, why don't we jump over? Uh, We've got two games that we have dubbed our games of the week this week. So many exciting games that we could have probably gone to, but we went and we started with uh, what a lot of people are referring to as the final bedlam. I think the teams will end up playing each other again at some point, but it's not necessarily a priority or a regular one. Just kind of like, I mean, I was a Nebraska fan that was in the Big 12. We play OU every now and again. Um, we play Colorado every now and again. They used to be rivals. And it's nice to play them again, but it's just not common. So uh, what what is your uh, thoughts about Bedlam? And then I'll let you, if you want, go ahead and jump into your matchup to watch
1: cannot wait for this rivalry to be over. Um so living in Oklahoma, being a alum of Oklahoma State. Uh we've had some very bad years. Uh and the the record is so lopsided that no matter what Oklahoma State does, they could they could whip uh OU up and down the the field. Oh ha ha ha, we're still Winning by seventy some odd games in the uh, in the head-to-head battle, there's no such thing as as getting through to uh, to OU, and I, I'm glad that OU is going to go to the SEC uh, next year because they're going to be a, a upper-middle team. They're not ever going to win the SEC. They're not ever going to be the Um, they might not not even be an LSU level team. Um, they're, they, it's going to take several years for them to get anywhere close to the players that they need to, to fight in the SEC. I'm glad that that this is over. I'm, I'm hoping maybe we'll play in a bowl game some year. That would be great. Um, but I, uh, they're they're moving it around this year. Used to be the last game of the season that meant something. Um, a couple of years ago, it, you know, it, it now okay. It's just going to be another Big Twelve game. Well, I, uh, I I want to I want this to be over with. Let's let's have a clean break, and hope nothing but the best for OU. As um, good on you. What I will say is my matchup to watch. Um, I hope that the uh, OU linebackers uh, get a really good shot of Ollie Gordon's behind as he runs past them. As my matchup is the Oklahoma State offensive line versus the OU defensive line. So, Ollie Gordon, the running back for Oklahoma State, the uh, player that is leading college football in yards currently has 1087 yards for the year uh Oklahoma State is averaging 5.6 yards per rush. So first down, second down, first down, second down you just you, they're 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 really good at running the ball. OU is ranked 54th in rushing. Defense allowing three point six five yards per rush. Well, if you average those out, um, you know, the five point six and the three point six five, you're looking at around four and a half yards per rush. Well, that's gonna get you um, a long day on the defensive line as off the offensive of line just takes it to you takes you down the field seventy-five yards. Every time, um, Alan Bowman has looked really good, has been protected, uh, decent enough. If he makes good decisions, you know, play action works really well. So I'm watching, can this, uh, this Oklahoma state line, um, block for Ollie Gordon. And if they can't, well, you'll see a lot of, uh, SEC running backs run past you next year. Cause, uh. We're the easiest game that you'll, you'll have for a long while.
0: That's fair. That's very fair. Um, I I went a little bit of a different direction. I knew you were going with the OSU O-line and Ollie Gordon has been phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about what he's been doing in the run game for Oklahoma state. The last several weeks, back-to-back games, over 250 yards, Uh, numbers that basically look like they should only be in video games but he's just doing it in real life Um, so I went to the other side of the ball for both teams I went ahead and went with the quarterback for OU Dylan Gabriel going up against Trey Rucker uh, the senior free safety for Oklahoma State I know that in general this is his first year at Oklahoma State he had transferred in from Wake Forest but I wanted to go with players who I knew were trying to make an impact final season on the field and I just think that what he brings Trey Rucker as far as being able to come down into the box uh, he's had some tackles for loss you know OU is going to try to pass the ball I think that what he's going to be able to do to try to slow down and keep OU from getting big plays is going to be huge because I do think that there's a great chance for Oklahoma State to take this one in Stillwater. And uh, I I don't know if it's a a goalpost breaker, but it definitely feels like it should be potentially. So uh, not that I advocate for breaking goalposts, but uh, last ever Bedlam upset. I I think that it would be worth it. Uh, Derek, are you ready for game number two or any comments about Gabriel versus Rucker?
1: I love Dylan Gabriel as a man, as a quarterback. If he wasn't playing versus Oklahoma State, I wish nothing but the best for him uh, coming out. Um, that being said, probably nine interceptions this game. Um, uh, probably benched in the, after the first quarter, after those nine interceptions. And uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I kid... The, uh, this offense is a top 10 offense, um, on scoring on, uh, on, on getting the ball down the field, Dylan Gabriel is going to get his, uh, I think he's going to have a great game. Um, but hope he, uh, poo's his pants.
0: Of course you do. At least this time it is a rivalry. So
1: yeah,
0: uh, let's go to our other game, uh, international game of the NFL. And that is, uh, of course, uh, not quite in time for Oktoberfest, but it will be a November fest in Frankfurt, Germany, as the Dolphins take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Derek, I'll go. I'll go first on this one, if you don't mind. Please. Um, but I, I wanted to go ahead and go with the the Dolphin side of the offense because I was just talking earlier about how I think Steve Spagnuolo has been doing awesome at slowing things down and doing great things. Uh, I went with Raheem Mostert. Uh, primarily because I do think he's the starting running back for the Dolphins. And I went ahead and put him against Drew Tranquil, the middle linebacker. Normally, that would be Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton is out. Uh, He is hurt. Uh, Was not able to play this past week. If Nick Bolton is back, I think this swings a little bit more in the Chiefs direction. But I think in general, if you were the Dolphins, you want Mostert to get involved. You want Jeff Wilson to get involved. You want to be handing the ball off. And getting steady first downs. And then maybe that's when you take deep shots to Hill or Waddle or things like that. But you have to be able to have that running game going. And uh, McDaniel is a former run game coordinator for Shanahan and the 49ers. So he has gotten good g- effectiveness out of the run game. I just want to see if he can get it done over there in Germany uh, in what is a game that could determine home field advantage in the AFC this year. True. Uh, Derek, what is your matchup to watch?
1: Yeah. So uh, most of the time on this podcast, me and Caleb agree on just about everything. I mean, he's, he's a really good guy, very smart, very well researched. Uh, I think he's completely wrong about the chiefs receivers. Um, that being said, my matchup is the chiefs fourth receiver. Versus that Miami defense, however you want to play them. Uh, so the you're going to have Travis Kelsey. Um, you're going to have MVS, uh, Martavius Balded Scandling, uh, and Rasheed Rice has done a really good, uh, really good job this year as uh, being that third guy. Now you have Sky Moore, and now you have Michael Hardman, you have Kadarius Toney, and you have Justin Watson. Any of those guys could be out there as the next guy. Um, so it's not about, oh, this guy could be a number one receiver elsewhere. We know Kadarius Tony will not be a number one guy elsewhere, but he could be a three or four, and Patrick Mahomes is going to find his three or four when Travis Kelsey is covered, when Rasheed Rice isn't down, you know, isn't uh is being covered downfield. There's some dink and dunk that goes, but they that's their offense. Patrick Mahomes is gonna make things happen, and they he usually spreads the ball around to like six or seven guys. They go in and out. And so you can't trigger on just one guy. Okay, we're going to stop Travis Kelsey. Cool. That means you've got two guys on on the tight end. Uh, That's going to leave Rasheed Rice just running up and down the field on whatever he wants to do because he's a longer threat. Um, So I think that the third or fourth best guy on that receiver room, it's hard to cover. When you've got that guy throwing the ball to him.
0: Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I think that this is going to be a a good game. I'm hoping to have some of my coffee ready and just pull up some of my highlights and, and watch this one early on Sunday morning. So hopefully
1: they can get some strudel afterwards.
0: Oh, yes. Um, and some brats the authentic ones uh, i mean you are in frankfurt i guess i could say frankfurters but you know sure. uh, that might be a little bit too direct uh derek good high five to you man i think that we've done a lot of fun on this podcast oh wait uh, high fives handshakes i think i'm forgetting a segment uh Is it time for our Brody Bets?
1: Yes, let's get into it. And this has been the best Brody Bets that we have had in a long time. Both me and Caleb went three and two. We actually won something last week. If we would have bet money on it, thank goodness that we didn't. So uh, just to recap, uh, we had... Uh, The Oklahoma State Cowboys versus Cincinnati, a a 7.5-point favorite. They blew out the Bearcats uh, 45-13, so that got covered. I got a little scared last week on my Broncos country. I knew the Broncos were going to win, but uh, I didn't feel that there – I thought there was going to be a lot of points scored. Um, So I thought over 46 was going to be easy. Well, 24 to nine only get you to 33 points. So I did not win that one. Um, As uh, you know, I like Oregon. Uh, I like betting on Oregon or uh, so I had Oregon minus six and a half at Utah. They whooped up on the Utes at 35 to six. My underdog, I, uh, you know, we talked about the Mayo and the coffee. Uh, Duke just didn't, uh, didn't come through for me once again, as uh, they were, uh, a four and a half point underdog to Louisville. Louisville beat them by 23 points as it was 23 to 0 at the end of that game. But I came back with my wild card game. The Houston Texans and the Carolina Panthers under 43 knew this game wasn't going to have a lot of offense. So it was uh, 15 to 13. Panthers won that with a last second field goal. Only 28 points scored in that game. Uh, so I did get that win. Caleb, on the other hand, had uh, his Packers minus, sorry, his Huskers minus two and a half uh, versus Purdue Boilermakers, the, the fight drew breezes, um, and Nebraska 31-14. You get those blocked uh, field goals, makes it look much more lopsided. Uh, and then his uh, Packers, he had um, –
0: I took the Vikings even. uh, Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, So he had the Vikings even. Uh, Vikings beat the Packers by 14 points, 24 to 10. He did not win his favorite or his underdog, as the Falcons were a favorite versus the Titans. Like I said uh, earlier, Titans get four touchdowns from Will Levis, beat the Falcons by five. And BYU plus 17 and a half at Texas. Texas beats him 35 to 6. Um that I, I like that uh I like that line as, as well. I thought uh, BYU was gonna do better. But he c- follows up with the wild card is Jets and Giants under 36 and a half, jets 13, Giants 10. If I could do my math right, that's 23, which is under 36 and a half. A great week by Caleb. So um since we're talking about Caleb Caleb go ahead and tell me about your Huskers pick this week
0: this week Derek my Nebraska Cornhuskers are going on the road to face the Michigan State Spartans uh, we are minus three with an over under on that game of 34 and a half the Huskers are are on a hot streak lately I'm going to go ahead and take the Huskers minus the three points uh, if we win this one it gets us bowl eligible um we're actually in a tie for first place in the big 10 West. Uh, not that I think we should win the big 10 West per se and be in the (laughs) big 10 championship game. I don't want to see Ohio state or Michigan again, if we have to, but I do want to go out there and take care of business this week against Michigan state and lock us in for going to a bowl this year.
1: That's a really, I mean, I do really love the Huskers. Uh, this year I, I think they're on an upswing uh and new meat is coming into your uh, conference next year that you can easily beat up on I know uh, a certain uh Southern California team that uh you can one two punch and probably uh I know your your offense is better than their defense so uh yeah salty I, I I'm sterling salty against USC um. So let's just go ahead and, and head over to my college team. That's the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and the greatest uh, of the of the of the greatest of the football teams. The America's broadest orange. Um, it's just just great. So um, the Oklahoma State Cowboys are a five and a half point underdog to the Oklahoma Sooners. Don't care. OSU wins bedlam outright. Uh, we are just going to take care of business. I'll still take the five and a half points because you know we have to. But uh, no, I think the Cowboys are going to win this game and uh, knock uh, any hope that the Sooners have of a uh, postseason uh, really good bowl game. You know, like they, they might. I don't think they're going to make it to a New Year's Six bowl uh, because of us. Uh, to swap over to my Broncos, the other orange team. Uh, we get to enjoy our Chiefs victory as we're on a bye this week. So, um, who do you want to say goodbye to um, on your Packer pick? Um,
0: uh, goodbye to Rasul Douglas. Uh, enjoyed having you on the team. Uh, one of the times that you played against the Rams, you had a pick six against Matthew Stafford, uh, which was a very enjoyable moment. Uh, we are a three point favorite against the Rams with an over under of 39.5. But I'm going to go ahead and take the road underdog with the Rams plus three, despite the fact that Matthew Stafford has a thumb injury. I just don't trust this Packers team that I can take a whole lot of things with them. Uh, it is early, it's Tuesday. My thoughts may change as we get closer to the actual game. But at least for the record, I'm going to go ahead and take rams plus three
1: yeah i could uh i I can certainly see that one as a i I think the Packers are going to win that game i uh, i have faith in them um please 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 tell me about your favorite this week as um i know one of the two teams that you're going to talk about i don't know the other one
0: so uh we're going to the south the sun belt and as i was telling derek before the podcast uh The Sun Belt is the fun belt when it comes to the college football world. And James Madison is ranked. They are number 23 in the nation. And they are going to take on the Georgia State Panthers. James Madison has played in some good games this year. They are actually a stunning 8-0 this season. First place in their division. A lot of things going well for them. They're hoping to, you know, get that spot in the Sun Belt championship game. And yet, even though they are dominating and doing great, uh, the Dukes are ineligible for a bowl game because uh, they just came up from Division two. And that's the way the NCAA rules work. It's a little ridiculous, but I got to give James Madison some love where I can. They are five and a half point favorite. I think they cover and win this one by a touchdown down in Georgia uh, all hail the fourth president of the United States. Not really, uh, but go James Madison.
1: I do not understand why you're not allowed in a bowl game after coming up from division two. I don't get it.
0: Uh, Cause they don't want you to, and they don't want you to take up other spots. So that way you can be invited into a conference. I think that's really what it is. They don't want it to be like, oh, this team just came up and they're better than us and took our spot. Um, I, to me, that's a beat them on the field and you'll be fine.
1: I don't I mean like it's one thing for it to be okay. You know, they're five and seven. We're five and seven. They get uh, a bowl invite, whatever. But this team's undefeated. Like there's no reason why they shouldn't be going to a bowl game. They're bowl eligible. Um, it's just stupid. Um, so speaking of uh, stupid things that happen in college football, um, I'm taking the favorite Michigan uh, Wolverines minus 35 and a half versus those same Purdue Boilermakers that the Huskers beat last week. Um, one of us has to stick Michigan. It just has to happen. Um, I will be, um, you know, R- Rokuing that game, um, and uh, yeah, looking at signs—maybe stop signs, yield signs, um, the other team's play calling signs. Uh, so, what about you? Let's talk about your underdog this week. Um, I think we've already talked uh, through a little bit of this game.
0: Yeah, I don't think I need to talk too much more about this, but I'm gonna go ahead and put my. My pick's where my mouth is, and I'm gonna take the Dolphins plus two and a half over there in Frankfurt as if I don't, I I don't want to appear like I'm I'm chickening out on it.
1: It's a good point. Uh yeah, I I like that pick as well as uh, I think the Dolphins are gonna win that game outright. So on my I I you know I, I take big swings at uh at my underdogs and my favorites. So this week's underdog is the University of California Berkeley uh, versus those Oregon Ducks. Quack quack. Uh, I love the Oregon Ducks. Uh, their uniform combination. I love what they're doing this year. Uh, big fan of Bo Nix. Um, but I'm taking Cal plus 24 versus Oregon as a, you know, I think they, they almost beat USC. Uh, and so I think they can at least keep it within 24 of Oregon. I hope.
0: Uh, so class, classic uh, Big Ten ACC challenge game right there.
1: There you go. Yeah, I. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, wow. I yeah it just blew my mind. <laughs> classic Big Ten ACC. Yeah. Um, soon. Very very soon. Uh, And so I did so well last week with the Panthers game that I'm going to go back to that. Well, Uh, so I have Panthers plus two and a half versus those Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think this game is going to be a little bit different than the last game. And I think the Panthers are going to get it done. Um, Fingers crossed for Bryce young. And uh, this is the Frank Reich revenge game. So he knows guys in that building and he knows um, how to beat the, the Colts. So let's get after a Panthers. Sir Purr.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Sir Purr is going to be having a wonderful day there at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Uh, I went ahead and went with a, a game that is at a field that it does not feel like it should be at. Um, But the score may resemble a baseball Mm -hmm. score. Uh, I'm going with the Iowa Hawkeyes versus the Northwestern Wildcats. And I'm going with under 31 as this game is at Wrigley Field. I don't expect there to be a lot of points. Uh, I'm going to say that the Cubs probably scored uh, more than 31 with an opponent at some point this year. And this game will go underneath that total. So give me give me the Iowa versus Northwestern for a nice a nice game there in Wrigleyville with uh, just very few points.
1: So who scores more points? The Iowa Hawkeyes or the Texas Rangers in the World Series?
0: <laughs> Do I get to take both teams in the World Series because the Diamondbacks had a really big game at one point as well too? Yeah. Um I, I think if I get to take the whole series, I'm probably going to take the, the Rangers on this one because uh, they've, they've had some pretty pretty high-scoring games. And I'm saying that knowing that I do not follow baseball nearly as well as, as other people do.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that uh, there's going to be uh, several games that are higher-scoring. So, yeah, I mean, let's see. We've got uh, four plus ten. That's fourteen plus uh, another eleven. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, I, I think the I think the Rangers and then and then tonight the uh, the game um, or like the game four the last game was eleven uh, one or something like that. So. Yeah, I think you could I think probably the Rangers is a better uh, I think the better better choice there.
0: I mean, we could take the over for Rangers Diamondbacks to be over 31. I think that that would just be <laughs> a That's much true. better odd. <laughs> well, friends uh we appreciate you joining us and listening to this episode of the podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode you can always find more information uh, find us on x from our link tree l-i-n-k-t-r dot e -E slash brody talk and on behalf of my wonderful co-host eric my name is caleb walgren thank you for listening y'all have a good one bye
1: Bye, guys.